0: Couples Valentine thing coming up um, at the Colorado Rocky Mountain Whatever Brewery, something like that. No, we have not taken a new stance as a church. Uh, we're we're not a drinking church. That's not the way we're looking at this. It's a restaurant. Uh, we're not we're not just brewing it up that night. So just so that you know, I know some of you are disappointed, and I'm disappointed that you're disappointed. But but uh, no, that's what's that's happening. So. Um, last week I talked about uh, blended families and and um, all, all the, the the stuff with that and it's interesting to me a lot of the feedback that I got this week how many how many of us are, are greatly affected by that in a lot of different ways and and usually I get um, you know great sermon pastor something like that along the way uh, but but this was different I was getting pages of things from and, and you know who you are but I was getting pages of stuff of this is, this is my existence, this is what I grew up in, this is how I've looked at this, my, my children are dealing with this, my parents are dealing with this, all these kind of things about blended families. And so Wednesday night, we just took the, the evening and just said, okay, let's talk about this a little bit. And uh, we had to basically shut it off because we were getting late and, and go home just because of all of the, the information and a lot, of, a lot of very insightful things from uh, all of us as a body, just really, really good stuff that people are putting out there, and, and uh, the, the idea of, of what it means to be uh, a blended family. And, and I mean, there's so many different layers of young children, old children, uh, adult children, all kinds of things. And so uh, this is this has been very educational for me as a pastor to say that we, I'm probably going to do some more about these kind of things. Uh, that's really the first time that I've just hit that straight on and said, let's look at this. Now, with this series that we're doing right now, this uh, this morning I want to talk about, uh, being single, and the, uh, the kind of the idea of being single, and same thing, same thing with the subject of blended families. This affects every single one of us in this building at different places. Uh, for for one, every one of us have been single at, at different times. Um, almost all of us were born single, and so we we've grown up single, and then that that potentially changes, and then what happens is is usually by the end of, of your life, you've gone back to single and maybe, then not single, and then single, and then not single. I mean, this, this, is, this is something that affects all of us at, at a lot of different places. And then also uh, the dynamic of, of uh, what this means within the church, what it means within a family context. Um, as you grow up, you're, you become parents, then your children, uh, what that looks like as they grow up. Do they uh, stay single? Do they not stay single? All these different things. In fact, the missionary we prayed for this morning is a single woman. I was, I was thinking about that because... Uh, there are three missionaries that I, I know very well that were all uh, single women that were just powerful. I mean, not were, they are just powerful, powerful missionaries going to some difficult places. Now, one of the things that uh, single people uh, don't like to hear is, well, Jesus was single. Um, that's, that, doesn't, that doesn't help anybody under any element, okay? Because he also died on the cross, and unless that's our plan, I don't think. I don't think there's certain things about Jesus that we don't necessarily say. Well, that's that's the direction I'm going. So, so here's some things with being single that um, that again, the same thing I was talking about last week. Some of the stigmas that come along with with um, uh, divorce and remarried within the, the church, divorce specifically, the remarried, and then a lot of the things with blended families we talked about last week. This is another thing that it, that there's some there's some weird thinking and stigmas that come along. Uh, with the idea of being single, from the church and then also from the individual. Same thing I was talking about last week. A lot of the the, the the a lot of the way people look at somebody that's been divorced or remarried. There's also this stuff that we look at ourselves and say, "Well, people think this or they or whatever." And those are not those are not always true. Uh, it's the way we're looking at ourselves. Same thing with being single. Now, there's a lot of ways that you can be single. Again, the the default one is you're born that way. Uh, the, the other side is, is what does that look like later, um, single as a young adult, single as an older adult, single um, because there is a divorce, single because there is a widow-widower mentality. There's a lot of elements of what single is, and then there's this, this concept that, that God really has, um, that really is God's plan for some people. The, the idea that God expects everybody to get married, I don't think is, is a biblical context, Okay, and I'm going to show you some of that uh, here. Now, the, um, some of the things that, that go along with uh, being single today, there's pressures, life. There's a lot of stuff that, that's uh, being pushed into that, um, that part of our society, our part of culture. There's a lot of, of things that you have to, to process. You have to process the pressures of life, family, friends. I, one, of my, uh, one of my closest friends, I went to college with him. We were roommates in college. Um, I married him... Um, Ten years ago, and he was forty years old. He got married at forty. It was his first, first uh, time he'd ever been married, and there, he, he would say to me all the time, "There's something about being the single guy in church, specifically as you get older. Not the single guy at 22, but the single guy at 32. You know that that every single person in church feels like it's their responsibility to set you up with somebody. I got a niece. I got a I got a cousin. I got something. And he said." He said, you just, you don't even want to tell people that you're single because there's this thing that apparently, there's a couple thought processes that come along with this. One is, why are you so picky? You're 35 and not married. Why are you so picky? Or the other one, what's wrong with you? What's the problem that you have that finally they find it out and that's why uh, you're single? I mean, there's these thought processes that go along and... And so then then it's the responsibility of everybody to try to help you out with this kind of stuff, right? Um, I've even seen that the, the, the idea, this is, this is uh, as you get older, specifically widow-widower, the mentality of now you've got children that are trying to do one of two things. There's not, there doesn't seem to be a middle ground here. One of two things. Um, get mom and or dad, which, you know, whichever, get them married because they need companionship. Or how dare they consider getting married, they've got us kids, right? There seems to be nothing in between there. Uh, Your your young person is single, I I guess it's not that big of a deal. As you get older, what's the problem? I mean, there's a lot of thinking that goes along with this idea of being single, what this looks like. And then you've got pressures of life in today saying that, um, do you not want to be married? If you don't want to be married, what's wrong with you? Doesn't everybody want to be married? Um, and, and and I would say just from, this is anecdotal, but most people, most single people I talk to do want to be married, that doesn't mean that they are, okay? The other is, what about this concept of sexuality in today's society? Um, I've had conversations with three couples that are in their early to mid-20s uh, that when they start dating... Uh, they have to have this conversation because the expectation is today you're going to have sex. That is the expectation. That that's what every single person does. And and so I I mean I haven't I haven't dated since 1989. And so I don't I mean there was a few times but no I'm just kidding so. <laughs> I, this is a, this is there's some things that are foreign to me when it comes to this, but but couples nowadays, and this is something that's very, um, very consistent. I, it's a little bit outside my box, but it's pretty consistent. When they start dating, they talk about this. We're not going to have sex. I'm not. Do you need to? You need to know that going in. This is not who I am. I'm not going to do this because it is the expectation day. It's not the. It's not the maybe. It's the expectation. And so the conversation has to be happening. There's a pressures of life. Now, I, I think maybe, uh, I, 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 this is going outside my knowledge base. I think maybe some of the older crowd, maybe that's not the expectation as much as the younger crowd. But this is something else to throw in there uh, with, with the idea of, of you've been married before, now you're not, and now you're dating. I would say that it would be much more challenging because there, that was part of your existence. It was part of your world. Okay, when you're uh, 22 and you have not had sex, and you're saying, "I'm not going to do this," um, it's it, it's like once you've had bacon, you know you want bacon, right? It's more challenging, and so there are some of these kind of things that are that are going on. Then the idea of once you've been divorced, do you? Uh, remarry or do you not remarry? There, there kind of is expectation where you're going to, but do you have to? I mean, it, I know these are weird kind of uh, approaches, but every single one of these conversations are happening or thought processes are happening. They're not necessarily conversations. They probably should be that are happening within our church body and within um, humanity all the time. All the time. These conversations are going on. And so there, there are... <clears throat> There are actually uh, certain reasons, again, why somebody's single, again, you were born that way, but here's one of the things that I have found out when it comes to, while you're in this context of singleness, is there is the question, what does God want here? Does God have a spouse for you? All right, that is the question. If you're younger and you're kind of starting out with this, and you haven't uh, ever been married, this is... This is kind of the beginning for you. There is that question that that happens: Is this going to be my whole life now it doesn't matter that I have these questions with twenty year olds I have these questions sometimes with nineteen year old girls that live in my house. Is this going to be the rest of my life well you're nineteen i mean let's, let's. so I know that it seems like uh, life is passing me by, kind of thing, and that can happen with older uh, people too. But the idea, the question: Does God have a spouse for you? Now, this is the way I look at this within my specific um, f- framework. Is uh, I believe that God put Lynn and I together. There's no way you can convince me differently of that. Now, I met Linda when I was 17. I I I uh, met her again. I mean, I, I just met her once when I was seventeen. A year later, I'd been a little, little bit more than a year later, a year and a half later. I'd been through the navy. I'd gone. I'd, I was in college. I see her again. Uh, all this kind of stuff. When I was seventeen, I, I, we were at a youth camp. I wasn't a Christian. She was. All this stuff. But I I saw her walking across the the campground, and just as clear as day, I felt like God said to me, "That's going to be your wife," which is weird because I was seventeen. And I wasn't looking for a wife. A year and a half later, I see her again in college. And I, hadn't, I didn't know anything about her. I didn't know where she lived. I didn't know that I was going to college right where she lived. and Her dad pastored a church there and all that. Um, I walk into this Kaiapa group. There, she is standing there, and God reminded me. That's the girl that I said you were going to marry. Now I'm kind of freaked out because I definitely don't want to get married at this. I, I am a, a good-looking 18-year-old guy there is a lot of, of women out there that need to know I'm here, right? Why do I need one kind of mentality? And, I mean, I ran from it. I was scared. Linda, actually, we actually dated for a couple months, and I broke up with her for, for that reason. I didn't want to get married, and, the, and after just dating her for just literally just two or three months, this is, I realized this is my spouse, and I don't want one of those, and so I ran and it took us about a little over a year to get back together and all that. So, so I know that Lynn and I are supposed to be together. And I would say for, this is a verbalization, this is me. This is not biblical. This is me. I believe that that was the only person on the planet that God wanted me to be married to. Okay? Now, so then the question comes up. So is that, is that the way it is for humanity? That God has that specific person for everybody and that's the, the way that it works? I know for mine now again, a lot of mine's experience. It's not Bible, it's experience. Yes, that's it. And then I realize that doesn't even match up scripturally with some things. I don't believe that there is that specific person, except for me, for anybody else. I believe that, that God does have plans. And, and and part of the reason is. There's the, there's the debate with, okay, if there's one specific person, what if I miss it? What if I'm supposed to pull into McDonald's and I pull into Burger King and my spouse-to-be's in McDonald's? Is the whole world changed after that? I mean, there's too much stuff with this. This is where we have to trust and, and believe that the sovereignty of God is bigger than us when it comes to what tomorrow is, what the next day, what, and that when you find your spouse kind of thing. Proverbs 18.22 says that, that uh, when a man finds a wife, he finds a treasure. It doesn't say when he finds the wife that God wants him to have. It says that when he finds a wife, he finds a treasure. And it also doesn't say when he finds a wife that is a treasure, he has found a treasure. Right? says when he finds a wife it doesn't say a good wife it just says a wife now again this is in the time frame that that pretty much all marriages were um, arranged he didn't find a wife because he was looking for a wife he found a wife because his family said this is your wife are you following? So, so some of the thinking that we have today when it comes to being single, married, what this means, the person, the only person, the romantic Hollywood kind of mentality of this, we've built these ideas into this. This is not the way that, that humanity worked for thousands of years, and I don't even believe personally that it's the way that God designs it. Um, the idea of dating and, and all this kind of stuff, I don't think it's wrong, I don't think it's bad. But I don't think that's the way God designed it. I think there's a lot of possibilities here when it comes to this. We, we were talking about this a few weeks ago at a, at a, a breakfast that I was at, that, that there are still arranged marriages all over the planet today. That happens all the time. If, if all your context is America and dating and all kinds of stuff, you've got a very limited when it comes to the rest of the world idea. Okay? Uh, there are still many countries around the world that they still arrange marriages. That's very common. Now, with all of that said, let me, let me kind of uh, jump into this from the idea of, first let's look at this as what it means to be in the heart of a person that, that is single. Uh, most people that, that are single don't know why they're single. Now, again, you know why in the big picture. I haven't found somebody or my somebody left me um, either through divorce or, and this is the same terminology, left me through dying, those kind of things, okay? And so you say, now I know why I'm single, but that's not what I'm saying. The big subject here is they don't know why they are single. The big picture. Not how they got to be single, but they don't know why. What's the why question? Why am I not single? So I wrote some things down um, that they feel like that they have missed it or messed it up, right? Somewhere they've missed it, or messed it up, or something along those lines. Uh, why doesn't Why doesn't anybody like me? That's one of the common things that I get. In fact, our twenty somethings that that meet every other week, we um, some are married, some are married with kids, some are single, those kind of things. And so we we talk about these kind of things. Why Why am I single? <laughs> and then you got some of them saying, Why am I married? <laughs> but uh, that's not funny. So. <clears throat> So why? There's a, there's a feeling of loneliness, frustrated, confusion. There can be some uh, frustration at God. God, why am I single? If I'm single, you've got to be, you did this somehow, God, right? There is that element with that. Sometimes that they, um, they feel like that they're different. They're different than everybody else. Everybody else seems to, to be able to uh, be married or be in that relationship and, and I can't kind of mentality. It doesn't matter whether they've been in relationships or not. It's that moment. It's the moment that you're looking at that, that you're processing this. And then oftentimes there's a third wheel mentality. You, you can't hang in. I'm going to talk about this in just a, a few minutes here. But the idea that there's the married lifestyle and then there's a the single and the single uh, people often feel like they don't fit in with the married people. They can't go and hang out and do things and all that kind of stuff, which, which by the way, um, is not true from the married point of view, Okay? married people are not saying oh can't be around single people. Don't like them. That's not that's not what they're saying. It's it, that truly is. There's a lot of realities on both sides in some of these subjects, but that one is not a reality from both sides. Okay? Usually the single people are doing this to themselves and it's not healthy. All right, I'll, again, I'm going to mention that in a second, okay? Um, they they are they are not chosen by somebody, which is so that categorizes their singleness and then starts to um, define who they are, and that's not healthy either. You don't, your identity has nothing to do with whether somebody else has chosen you. Your identity is the fact that Jesus Christ already chose you. That's that's your identity. And we've got to keep that in balance because that gets into our, to the head and everything else. So the very first thing here is <clears throat> marriage does not make life easier. All right? Uh, this is something that that seems to be the consistent conversation that I have with single people is if I could just get married then, and then whatever, life happens or, or happiness happens or all this other kind of stuff. Um, I have had a handful, I'm saying in 27 years, I have had a handful of single counseling times where people are trying to figure out themselves. What I have lots and lots of married counseling times, right? Because why? Marriage is difficult, and just saying as a single person, if I can get married, everything is good, doesn't, it's not reality. Marry, marriage does not make uh, life any easier. And here's the reality. You don't have to be married or you don't have to be single. I don't necessarily think that God has a criteria for you here. And Paul talks about this. Let me, let me show you some things. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, he says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know that you've always been concerned about me, but you didn't have to have the chance to help me. Um, you didn't have the chance to help me. Now, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of, live, of living in every situation, whether it was with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, you have done well to share with me in this present difficulty. It's interesting. Now, we're going to look at some more scripture. He talks specifically about marriage. But it's interesting to me that Paul is making a conscious decision to be content with wherever he is. I personally don't believe that Paul did not want to be married. I believe that Paul felt like that's what God was doing with him. And this is one of the categories, although he doesn't specifically spell it out in this particular scripture, he is saying contentment is a mindset, it's an emotional t- uh, choice that we make, and it's a spiritual direction. I am going to be content in all things. And this comes to the idea of, and, and by the way, this is as strongly said to married people as it is to single people, I, I have learned to be content in my relationship status. There there are, for for single people, this is surprising to you maybe, but there are many married people that are extremely discontented in their marriage. And that's not healthy. It's not what God has designed for them. Uh, The same thing with single. There are single people that are extremely discontented in their singlehoodness. And that's not healthy for them. To learn to say, God, you are in charge of everything, and I'm going to be in the middle of you. That's my priority, I want to be in the middle of you and help me to be content in this. Help me not to be um, racking my brain as to why or whatever the case is, and God, help me, help me to take what comes along, be open, be ready for what you're doing, but help me to be content right here. And you understand this applies to our workplace, our, our, our uh, any kind of relationships, friendships, any kind of things. Learn to be content. That's a choice. It's not just something that happens. I meet people regularly that are on complete opposite sides of this. I am, I am not content with anything in my life. I really am content. That is a choice. You say, well, no, there are circumstances. Maybe this person's really content because life's treating them way better than this person over here. That is not true. That is choice. We choose, we choose to have a mindset. That is going to determine who we are in our existence. Am I truly content? Am I, am I confident in God? Am I confident in myself? And I, do I know who God is? Do I know who I am? I'm content in that. Well, I've got a great job. I've got a, a poor job. I've got a a great marriage. I've got a poor marriage. I've, I'm I'm single. I wish I was married. All these. Okay. When do we say God? You're the one that is in charge of this. The second thing here is that you have purpose regardless of marital status, and this is one of the biggest things. That that um, that that I see really, we don't do well with this in in our thinking. It's our our culture. Our culture does this uh, horribly to us. Is that we define things according to certain categories, and we do this with purpose, specifically within being single. Okay. Um, one of my friends is a missionary. She was a missionary in Saudi Arabia for a long time, and uh, she's moving to another. Muslim country right now, she's a single woman, she's uh, about my age, and uh, met her 25 years ago, and we've talked, and she said to me, and this is 15 years ago, she said to me one time, she said, you know what, she said, I, people ask me all the time, when are you going to get married? And then they talk about how, you know, it would be easier on the mission field if you were married, she goes to Muslim country, strong, hardcore Muslim countries, and she's a woman trying to reach women, she said, it, it, there's this mentality that somehow I'm not completely all that I need to be because I'm not married. Guys, why do we, why do, we do that? Why do we, why do we have to define what God is doing according to our social, cultural ideas? This is God doing stuff. This is And Paul specifically says ministry is actually easier when you're not married. He says this. Now, Here's the, the, the truth of this. You have purpose. God has designed you and defined you and built the parameters of your existence to serve him and to do ministry with, the, with intentionality. And that is regardless of whether you're married or not. There is an idea sometimes that as a single person we're having to wait we're having to wait for somehow somebody else to come alongside of us and make us complete so now we can do what God has said. That's not true. You are complete already. You are complete. Okay? And here's, here's the big one that I've seen oftentimes is a couple gets married and they, and they, one or both of them, never do what God has told them to do. Never. I, I see this constantly. I see this even in our church on a regular basis, where you know God has called you to do stuff, but you're not doing it because it's easier just to kind of go along with the marriage and the, the family and all the different dynamics of society and life today. I'm just going to float along, and then oftentimes, marriage is the excuse. Family is the excuse as to why we can't do what God has said. Well, you know, the, the spouse or whatever, or the kids are busy, or and we use these things as reasons why we cannot do what God has said. And then the single person is using the exact opposite reason for why I can't do what God has said. You are called by God. You're created by God. You're designed by God to do ministry. And your, your, your relationship status should not change that. Being married means now you're going to do ministry together. And sometimes we defer that to the other person. Well, you know, they're kind of more of the ministry person. What? So God created them to minister and created you to do what? Be a a wart? Alongside on their leg or something? I mean, what are you designed to be? We're all designed to be ministers. We're all designed to go after God, pursue God, and carry people with us in this thing. The, The way a marriage is supposed to work is you're supposed to do this together to To benefit each other. And that doesn't always happen. If you're single, you're saying, well, I can't do it without that person. It's not true. You can. God has designed you to do ministry. So pursue God because he has designed you for this regardless of relationship status. In 1 Corinthians 7 verse 7, it says, but I wish everyone were single just as I am. That is... That is a sentence that many single people do not like. <laughs> I, never pre- I never paid attention to it until I started having conversations about this. And, and, and not recently, it's been years now. But well, they say they read that and they're like, what? I'm single and I'm trying not to be and Paul's trying to get me to stay single. Right? But, but, what, but he's, he's talking about a bigger subject. Let's unpack this a little bit. I wish everyone were single just as I am. But God gives some the gift of marriage and it truly is a gift And to others, the gift of singleness, and that truly is a gift too. Okay? And and again, single people just assume, well, that's horrible. I don't like this gift. Okay? But there's married people that are saying the same thing. And again, it all comes back to your mindset. Are you going to be content with what God has given you and run with that? Okay? So I say to those who aren't married and to widows... It's better to stay unmarried just as I am. Paul, you're not even a widow. Why are you saying... Okay, but it's better to stay unmarried. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. We get that, right? There is no... that, that He's not playing games there. That is the reality of human existence. And this is one of the things that growing up in the church back in the 70s, we didn't talk about this kind of stuff. We pretend it didn't exist, and there's a lot of relationships that were harmed and and even uh, people that were harmed in the process that we didn't talk about this kind of stuff. Here's the reality. As a human being, you are are designed by God to um, have sex and like it. You are designed by God for that. If you're not married and you want to have sex, there is the, the burning with lust mentality that can happen. If you just pretend that doesn't exist, you're going to hurt yourself. That's a reality. Now, some of you say, well, you know, it's not that big of a deal to me as it is to some people. Okay, whatever, we're all different in this. But Paul is saying something that, that, that the church needs to have more conversations about. I'll give you another one that... that that I think the church didn't do a good job, I think we're doing better now, but we didn't for a long time, is the idea, I grew up with thinking that sex was dirty, sex was bad, sex was wrong. And then I guess once you get married, you have it, but nobody ever talks about it. Maybe you just only have it three or four times. Depends on how many kids you have. I mean, that's, that's literally the idea that I grew up with. And I, I had to work through that. I have counseled many people over the years that went into marriage being told all their life that sex was a horrible thing. And now they're married and they don't know what to do because it's still a horrible thing. It's wrong. It's dirty. None of that stuff is true. And Paul is saying something very real here. Sex is reality, and marriage is the confines which you're supposed to have it. You're not supposed to have sex outside of marriage. You're not. Okay? And so the way that you deal with that, now there's a lot of other reasons for marriage, but the way you deal with that is you get married. Okay? So then what about the single people? What about the widows and the widowers? What about they're single now or so are, are they're single now or are, are, are still single? What do they do about this? The reality is the same within marriage or without marriage. You have no sex outside of marriage. You say, well, people inside marriage, they're married, they can have sex. Not outside their marriage. That's still a law. That's called adultery, and you're not allowed to do that. Okay, so here's the reality. What do we do about this? Paul says this is one option. Just get married. It's better than burning with lust. (laughs) Okay? That seems pretty simple. So, verse 32, let's go down farther. Now let's look at the bigger picture of what he's talking about. And I'm going to get back to the sexuality thing today and then in a few weeks. We're going to talk about that too. But uh, verse 32, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. Do you understand? I jumped all the way down to tag that into the burning with lust mentality. That is a concern of life. And Paul is saying, I want you to be free from the concerns of life. Because why? There's a bigger picture. God's designed you for something, and it's ministry first. Serving him first. Surrendering yourself to him first. This is one of the things that that single or married, we don't process this. Dating, this comes an issue, all kinds of stuff, is you're supposed to pursue God more than anything else in your life. Married people, let me help you with this. You're supposed to love God more than your spouse. You're supposed to love God more than your kids. You're supposed to love God more than anything. So why does that have to do with singleness? Because sometimes we think, once I get married, that all those things are fixed. No, it's, it's Paul is about to tell us, and he's saying, it's easier to pursue God when you're single because you don't have all that stuff. Which lets me know that once you get married, it's easy to pursue something else, like your spouse or your kids more than God. And that's what causes us problems in our family lives. This is what causes us problems in our society is that we lose sight of this. And so he says, I want you to be free from all, from all this stuff. An unmarried man, woman, can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please the Lord. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. Did you know that that's part of the issue of being married? That you have to try to figure out how to please your wife? That's a, that takes time and energy, does it not? We act like, well, once you get married, it's all gonna work out. It's all gonna be perfect. I, I have these conversations with single people regularly. Well when when I get married and then they get an idea of what that is. It's not. Whatever you think it is, it's not. And here's something we talked about a little bit last week, and we talked a lot about Wednesday night, is even the widows and widowers, when they are when they're ready to get remarried, there's an idea, well, we're going to put it all back together. But they do this, I mean, they're saying the context of life. They're going to put life back together, they do life again. But here's the reality. The marriage you had before is not the same as the marriage you're about to have. The marriage you had before was different. We talked about this with parenting. Parenting, before you get divorced, remarried, widow, widow, and now you got grandkids, mixing it. I mean, we talked about every kind of blended family you can imagine. But here's something that we don't think about is that the, the, the relationship you're going into now is different than any other one that you've ever had. And you're going to have to figure this out. And there's going to be challenges. And you're going to have to try to figure out how to please that person. Because sometimes that person wants to be pleased. I mean, that's kind of the mentality. And so what we have what we have with single mentality is, well, if I just get married, it'll all be good. You have no idea. It's not going to be good. It's only going to be as good as you make it and work on it. Being single is actually easier to accomplish some of the things that God has designed you to do. And that's what Paul is trying to say. And by the way, that's what Paul chose. He chose to spend his life doing that. And he says... His interests are divided, trying to serve God, trying to please his wife. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Now... Um, for some people, I would say a lot of people, getting married helps take away the distractions. He talked about this earlier because sexuality is one of the distractions. So it, it helps take away the distractions. Some. But at the end of the day, you're supposed to be ministering to people and serving God primarily. Single person, you're supposed to be serving God and uh, ministering to people. That Sometimes the distraction that Satan uses against single people is the potential for relationship that's on the horizon. And that's what they think about, focus on, dwell on. That's not healthy. you got to say, okay, God, let me, let me learn to be in you, right in the middle of you, and then you'll take care of the other stuff. The third thing here is to keep the focus, the correct focus in relationships. And this is, this is a big one. Your boyfriend, girlfriend uh, is not God and is not intended to be God in your life. Okay, same thing. Same thing with a married couple. Your spouse is not God. They're not supposed to be God in your life. Sometimes married couples, one of the person in the in the relationship just kind of floats along spiritually and let the other person do all of the spiritualizing. It's not healthy. They're the the contact with God. And I've heard this a hundred different ways, but this is kind of the basic idea. Well, you know, my spouse, husband and or wife, my spouse, they're really the one that gets in with God. They're really, you know, they really did. Why would you define it that way? What you're saying basically is, but I don't. They're the... They're the God person, and I'm not. That's not okay. We're supposed to pursue God in marriage, outside of marriage. I, I see the same thing in dating relationships where, okay, now I've got this, this uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, I'm now dating this person, and now that's the, the focus of our existence. And even the spirituality of this. Well, you know, they're kind of that person. That's, that's who they are. Or everything is about them, even in going to church, in uh, praying, and all these other things. It's about that person. When is it about God? We've got to keep the balance healthy here. Your your um the focus has to be and kept in balance. You know, I, I, the first time I ever saw this years ago, and I've seen this many times since then. This was the early nineties, and I had I had some kids in the youth group. These guys are all they're all in the forties now. Um, they I was their youth pastor. One, two brothers. Their dad was not really a Christian, maybe, but borderline at best. And um, and and their mother was serving God, serving God, serving God. And she would pray. She would pray constantly for her husband. The boys would request prayer for the husband, for dad, and uh, want to get saved, want to get saved. And then finally, one time, dad gets saved, and he actually starts coming to. The youth group and starts being as a great guitarist, and he would come and help with worship with my youth group, and he became a leader in the church and all this kind of stuff. And mom fell off and stopped going to church. I didn't understand that. I did. You begged God to save him. The reason is because she felt like she was carrying it all, and once he got saved, she didn't have to try so hard, and she quit. What? You're serving God for you. You're serving God for you. And by the way, I've seen that many times over the years. Finally, they get saved, the person you're praying for, the spouse, or whatever, and so you quit trying because you got your goal done. My father-in-law said this one time, he, he, this obviously, he dated a girl years ago before he got married. He dated a girl, he was, he was um, Bible college, I think, at the time he dated this girl, and I heard him say this, I don't know who this woman was, but they were talking about it, and um he said, I dated so-and-so for a while. She was a Christian, and I wasn't. He said, then I got saved, and she broke up with me. And then he said, she wanted me to get saved, but not that saved. Right? These, these things happen in relationships. Well, yeah, I'm a Christian, and I want my boyfriend or my girlfriend to be a Christian. And then they get saved, they fall in love with Jesus. You're like, wait a second, what happened to me? I thought I was first place. No, God's supposed to be first place in your life and God's supposed to be first place in their life. And you, and you put God first and then the relationship works the way that it's supposed to. It's weird how we do these kind of things. Now, here's, here's one of the things when it keeps correct relationships, the focus of relationships. Uh, single people, you need married people in your life. You need married relationships. And uh, married people, you need single people in your life. You need these things. Uh, there's a balance that comes with that, that, that we understand uh, life better and more rich because we have these different relationships in our life, right? And we have to be intentional about these kind of things and really think through this kind of stuff. Uh, what does it mean to have these people in our world and our life? What are they speaking to us? How does this balance out? Um, another thing about keeping the correct folks in relationships is purity. You've got to keep purity, and it doesn't matter whether you're married or not married. You have to keep yourself pure with God, okay? Sexuality is a, is a very uh, pure thing that God has designed, but he's only designed it to be in the context of marriage. And we can understand this, that even sometimes in the context of marriage and, and in sexuality, you can go across lines and it's not pure anymore, right? This is one of the things, I don't understand this, but I think I need to say it. I really don't understand how this is beneficial, but there are couples, married couples Christian married couples that have come to me at different times over the years and asked, "Can can we bring pornography into our marriage if we watch this together?" The answer is no. That's other people. It's not you. I guess if you want to video yourself, I I don't I don't know. I there's a line I don't want to cross here, but. You're looking, you're looking at, don't ever do that, okay? Don't ever. Even if it's not a holy or not holy, somebody's going to find that someday, and you're going to, okay. So, let me, let me go back to what I was talking about here. I get these questions. Guys, look, pornography is a sin, and it's going to always be a sin, because that is that you're looking at something that is not godly for you. You say, well, we have to have that to have um, uh, good healthiness, Within our sexuality, it is not healthiness, and you're only hurting each other. You are hindering each other. You are not helping each other when that happens, okay? You're not. I say this as plain as I can, because you are now thinking of somebody that's not your spouse and watching somebody that's not your spouse. That is not healthy in your relationship with your spouse. It's something else, and it's a sin, And it's going to be destructive. Don't do these kind of things. So even within the context of marriage, purity has to be maintained. As a single person, purity has to be maintained. This is one of the things that is so strong today is the idea of sexuality, pornography, all this kind of stuff. And it's just the expectation. Stand strong against that stuff. Stand strong, single or married, stand strong against it, okay? Stand strong. Purity, make sure that you're keeping a healthy balance in your relationships. And here's another one. It's for single people. Breaking up will happen. It's going to happen. And here's the reality. You will recover. Sometimes these things seem so final. My life is over. My, my life is over. I, I had a girlfriend when I was a kid. And, and up until I was like 14. And when she broke up with me, it crushed my world. It crushed my world. I, I mean, I, I didn't know what to do for, for months and months and months. I thought my life, I'm 14, I thought my life was over, I'm never going to find somebody else. 14. Here's a weird thing. Years later, Linda and I went to a conference in Phoenix, Arizona at a church in, in Arizona for pastors. I'm standing there and this girl walks up with her husband, kids, all this kind of stuff. I locked up. Last time I saw her was 14. I'm 35. I lock up. Because I realized that still was in my mind and my spirit, and somehow I didn't process it. I had not let go of it. Linda thought it was the funniest thing ever. Because she walks up. I, I am not uncomfortable around people. I mean, well, I can talk to anybody under any circumstance. She walks up. She says, God, hey. I was like, ah, uh, ah. Uh. And it's like, what's wrong with you? This, uh, uh, she, and I told Linda who she was. She already knew. And she, she just looked at me and she just kept smiling and said, you know, this is interesting. Let's talk together. Let's all, should we all go get dinner? <laughs> because why? These things can get so much in our head that they, they literally can change our thinking, our, our, our heart, our life. Guys, that's not healthy. Breaking up does not mean the world is over. You're going to recover because you're not defined by that. Okay, you're going to recover. Here's another one that I, I talked about. We talked about this Wednesday night some, is even the concept of divorce. You will recover. You will. You, you, sometimes we think, and, and again, I, I, I said this Sunday. I said it Wednesday. I don't want to. Mis, people to misunderstand where I think scripture stands on this. God hates divorce. He's very clear about that. And part of the reason because it hurts us so deeply, and it hurts people, it hurts children, it hurts so many people so deeply. But the Holy Spirit is the peace giver, and He will bring peace into your world. He has the ability to do that. If you if you if you recently had a breakup or something, you're going to recover. God's bigger than just that moment. Hebrews chapter four verse fourteen says, "So so then since we have such a so since." So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. The high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Now let me specifically talk about this one, the concept of sexuality. Jesus Christ was tested sexually. And I have, I have had many people with, uh, argue with me over that over the years. No, he wasn't. He was never tempted sexually. Scripture just said he was tempted in everything, just like us and just like our weaknesses, he was tempted. There is a mentality in Christianity that Jesus was not truly tempted because as God you can't be tempted, except that he was also 100% human and all human can be tempted. I don't confuse that with the fact that he sinned. He never crossed the line from temptation into sin. And by the way, temptation is not sin. Just because you're tempted to do something doesn't mean that you've sinned. And I believe, I can show you three specific examples, scripture, where I believe very strongly that these were places where Jesus was tempted sexually. One, let me just throw this out because we don't think about this kind of stuff. When Jesus is sitting there in the room and this woman comes up to him and is washing his, hair, his feet with her hair, you're telling me there was no thought process whatsoever of male, female? Come on. He is washing his feet with her hair. But that's where he says, there's a difference between temptation and giving in, and he didn't give in. He didn't let his mind go that direction. He didn't let his heart go that direction. But he says, Jesus was tempted, but here's the deal. So let us that are being tempted, that's what the context is here, and and with our weaknesses and everything else, let us who are being tempted boldly come to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. That's when we pursue God is because we are being tempted and you pursue God. We are being tempted. You pursue God. That's the point of this. In fact, I'll help you out this. Specifically, if it's a relational thing, pursue God out loud. Process that. You're on a date you're having, and you're being tempted sexually Pursue God out loud at that moment, and at the very least, Satan and that person will leave you alone because <laughs> they think you're crazy now. So go go before God, boldly go before God and say, God, I'm pursuing you at this moment. The fourth thing is pursue and trust God. And as I said last week with blended families, this is the same concept in singleness is you've got to pursue God above everything. God has to be the beginning and the end of everything. He has to be the foundation of everything. Whether you're single, married, divorced, widow, widower, re- remarried, blended family. I mean, it doesn't matter any context of life. If you put Jesus Christ as the foundation and you pursue him 100%, then, then that context, whatever you are in, will be built upon God. You've got to pursue, but then the other half of this is to trust God. And this is, this is one of the big ones that I see that seems to be the most consistent within um, uh, single life is the trust factor. Okay, let, let me go back to some of the things I said earlier. Well, did I miss it or did I mess up? Somewhere you got to trust God to be bigger than you, right? you got to trust God. Well, what if, what if I was married for a long time, now I'm divorced or widow or a widow or something? Trust God doesn't mean that it feels right. It doesn't mean that it feels good. It doesn't mean that you're not frustrated. You're not upset. But trust God. Trust Him that He's bigger than that moment. He's bigger than even life and death. That He's bigger. That you've got to trust. God, I put my life, I'm putting my trust in You. Here's the, here's the other option. Get mad at God. Spend the rest of your life angry and upset and pushing God away. How does that help? How does that fix anything? How does that, does that make, does that make it all make sense? Does that make everything make sense? I'm going to be mad at God. Just surrender to him and say, God, I, and I don't think there's, a, there's anything wrong with telling him you hear me say this right? Tell God, God, I'm really frustrated with this. I'm really frustrated. This is something that, that um, and, and, she, and she says this commonly, so I'm not like saying something out of line here, but Linda Elder says this about um, Chuck dying. She says he left me and he didn't even tell me he was leaving. I get that. There's some frustration, there's some there's some what's going on? This isn't fair. This isn't it's, it's not fair from, from Chuck like Chuck made that decision, he didn't. But it, and it's not it's not it's not, God's not treating her right or whatever but somewhere somewhere we have to say God, I don't understand, but I trust. I don't like, but I trust. Because you're God, and that's it. You're God. You're God. I trust. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food or your body more than clothing? And let me throw in here, or being single or being married or being divorced or being widowed? Isn't isn't somewhere all this stuff that's part of life isn't there somewhere where we say, okay, God, I stop worrying and I trust you. I don't like it, whatever, but I trust you. And then further down in verse 32, and this is the, this is the, the, the clincher for us. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. This, I've said this before. This sentence convicts me more than any sentence in Scripture because all of the things mentioned, not just in verse 25, but all the things that he mentions here, I concentrate on regularly. And then he says, those things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But he doesn't tell me that until he gets to the end of the list, and I've already realized I'm, I am, these, thoughts, these things are dominating my thoughts. And then he says, oh, by the way, that's what happens with unbelievers. And I, I feel convicted every single time because I can't read that without wondering, am I an unbeliever? Because these things dominate my thoughts. It's a trust issue somewhere we've got to say, I trust you, but your Heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. He knows everything. He knows you're single. He knows what happened to get you to be single or why you haven't found somebody yet or all the things we process. God knows all that, but somewhere you've got to trust Him. Don't let these things dominate your thoughts. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. He will, relationally financially, He'll give you everything you need. Why don't you stand with me? <clears throat> here's a few things that you know. And I would say oftentimes we know this cognitively, but we don't always get it spiritually. But here's something that we know. God loves us. He knows right where we are, and He has the plan for us. What we got to do is let that get into our spirit. Let it get into our heart and say, okay, God, then I've got to trust that that's truth in all circumstances. I've got to trust. So let's pray together. God, we thank you for you. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you. Right now, we thank you for where we are in life. Lord, I pray that every single one of us in here can go to that place. Not just verbally, but in our heart and our spirit. Lord, I thank you for where I am today. Lord, I thank you because you are God. Regardless of how much I like where I am today, regardless of the, the details that brought me to this, Lord, I, I teach me, teach me. And every one of us in here, teach us to say, Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for where I am. And I, I need to learn to be content just right now in, in the circumstances of today. And God, help us not to look at other people and, and assess where we are according to where other people are. But Lord, just to say this is, this is you and me. This is you and me. And this is where I am. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit move through every one of us in this room. And give us an understanding of purpose. Understanding of your divine creation in, in creating us. The Lord, that you give us intentionality in our existence. And God, and I pray for every single person in this room that, that's, that's not in a relationship right now. Lord, help them to realize that you still have every single element of their life under control, that you designed them, you created them, and that you've got, you've got an opportunity every single day to do the things that you've called them to do. God, help us not, any of us in this room, help us not to define that according to how a relationship is. God, you've called me. You've called me to serve you, regardless of whether Linda is in my life or not in my life. You've called me to serve you. God, help every one of us in this room get that, that you've called us. And then, Lord, help us to trust you. Help us to trust you with our emotions, our feelings. Help us to trust you with our our physicalness, our sexuality. Help us to trust you with our relationships. With our with our life in the name of Jesus. God help us to not be frustrated and and conflicted and angry with you, but just to trust you. We thank you so much. Anoint us with your spirit. Anoint us with your with your power, your presence. And then God, I pray for for every single person in here, if you if you've got a plan for somebody to be in their life, help them to see it, to know it. Recognize it when it comes. And if, and if that's not the case, help them to know that. Just whatever you've got planned. Whatever you've got planned. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to I leave you with this. The same concept as if this was a, a, a thing about marriage. I would say you need to be praying for your marriage this week. Uh, same thing with with being single. Pray about that. Talk to God about it. Don't don't pretend like it doesn't exist or it's something that you're just waiting to get through this stage to get to the next. Stage. Talk to God about this stuff. God, what are you saying to me? What are you doing? What do you want to What do you want to do here? And and God will listen. He will answer. He'll help you with this. It's reality, but you got to go there. Okay. Before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you the chance to let somebody know. Jesus loves them. Do the best you can. Tell somebody about Jesus. God will honor that in your life. It's a guarantee. So shake somebody's hand. Single person, ask a married couple to lunch. Married family, ask a single person to lunch and we will see you Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your day.
1: And I see you in the sunrise I see you in the rain I see I feel you through the pain Everything that you have made is beautiful Oh my God, I can't believe my eyes But in all of this to think that you would think of me Makes my heart come alive Your love is like a mighty fire deep inside my bones I feel like I could climb a thousand mountains all at once And I never have to wonder if somebody cares for me I love the maker And the maker loves me i bring my need i will bring my heart before i lift my cares i will lift my arms i want to know